We're so glad you're here today. You could be anywhere in the world, but the fact that you chose to worship with us today means the world to us. I'm Pastor Anthony. We just want to welcome you here. You made our day when you walked through the door. You can turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Um, there's a lot of verses for you today, more than normal. And um, I started to say for that, I apologize. I don't because we're going to be in the Word of God today and God's going to teach you something through the power of His Holy Spirit. If you have your YouVersion Bible app, I know some of you are high tech and you like to follow along there, you can hit the menu button as always, hit the live event button in the menu, and uh, you should see North Park Church there if your location services is turned on. If not, you can just type in North Park Church, and all of today's scriptures and notes will be right there with you as we end this year in God's Word together. Um, I, I, uh, I told our team this morning, uh, there's 34 slides, <laughs> so that's not a joke. So I hope um, your reservations for lunch are a little bit later today. No, we're, we're going to go through it quickly, but I believe there's something that God wants to teach you, and I'm really excited about it today. So would you pray for me as I pray for you? Lord, I pray as we dive into your word today, may it be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. God, we don't want to just be inspired. We don't want just inspiration today. We want revelation. God, open our minds and our hearts. Let your word come alive. Lord, as we tackle a, a few verses of scripture today, maybe some familiar verses that we've seen before, Lord, teach us. God, show us something we've never seen from your word, and we're going to be quick to praise you and give you honor and glory for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen. I've been in some scary situations in my life, and I've been in in some scary places, but I don't know that there's any scary place on the earth that I've encountered like this one space, and it's called the middle school cafeteria. I don't know what it is about a middle school cafeteria, but middle school was the worst eight years of my life, okay? It, it, it was only maybe three years. It felt like eight years. They truly were the worst years of, our, of my life. How many of you are in middle school? Let me just hear you. Let me hear my middle school students. Yeah, yeah. I knew they wouldn't say anything, and that's, I'm going to show you why in just a second, but, but guys, I, I'm sorry. It's not going to get any better. It's, these are the worst years of your life, okay? And so I, I don't have any encouragement for you. It's just scary. It, it's a scary place. I, I don't know why, but we all encounter this thing in a middle school cafeteria. Chocolate milk goes in your mouth, your friend tells a joke, and it does what? How does that even happen? And why did it happen there for the first time, right? And, and I don't even know why God created our bodies that something can go in our mouth and out our nose. But we all discovered that's possible in the middle school cafeteria. And we were all mortified. I got sick one day in the middle school cafeteria. I couldn't do that in the bathroom in the privacy of my own devotion, right? No, it had to happen in full view of everyone in, in my entire middle school. I was mortified. I also had this issue when I was in middle school. Uh, I've got some dominant facial features, okay? I recognize. I've, my nose is dominant. I understand that. Uh, the problem is my head has grown into it almost, you know? And when I was in middle school, my head was very small, but my nose was the same size. And so I somehow got labeled in middle school 
as big nose. And so I would walk into the middle school cafeteria and every day I would put my hand on that door and I would dread it because I would know it's coming. And I'd open the door and I would walk in and I would hear this table of people that are all uh, incarcerated today, I'm sure. And, and as I would walk in, I would hear them scream out, big nose! And everyone would turn and laugh. Yeah, right, I know, like... Four years of counseling and I still, you know, have nice sweats about it. It's, it's, it's a sad thing. Middle school is, is a mortifying place to be. And, and I think the biggest goal I had in middle school, and you just saw it when I said, let me hear you middle schoolers, and you heard crickets. It's not that they're not in the room. Here's the goal in middle school. You just don't want to get noticed. You just want to be invisible. Like You don't want to stick out at all. I just wanted to blend in. I just wanted to fit in. And it's why I tried to dress like everybody else. It's why I tried to talk like everybody else. I just didn't want to stick out. But here's the thing. As we grow older, we aren't much different. No matter how old we are or where we live, there's one thing I've found to be true. It feels as if the world is pushing us to conform. And sadly, all of us are being nudged toward acceptance, and that often looks like sacrificing some things that maybe we shouldn't. But here's what Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is what Paul says. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I know, like you want to not stick out. I know you want to blend in, but, but don't conform to the pattern that the world sets for you, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, you will be able to test and you will be able to approve what God's will is, his perfect, his good, his pleasing, his pleasing will. And, and so we often say that North Park is a place where nobody's perfect, everybody's accepted, and we are being changed. We are being transformed by the Spirit of God. But that transformation, that, that freedom, if you will, I I believe that it begins in my mind. Like I have to make up my mind. I have to have a decided heart if I want to experience some transformation. And there's some of you, you're already thinking, what needs to be different in 2020? What, what in my life needs to be corrected? What are, what are things in my life that don't look like Jesus, but they need to look more like Jesus? You're already thinking about what needs transformation in your life. But I believe that it begins in our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and Paul says, as, as you are being transformed into the image of Jesus, like don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. So that begs the question, if the world is not our pattern, then what is our pattern going to be? And I think what Paul is saying and what Jesus wants for us is that the word of God becomes our pattern. We often say it that the word of God is our blueprint for living. Like we're going we're gonna to base our choices. We're going to base our decision. We're going to base our steps. We want to be obedient to, to, to God and his word. It's the Bible. It's God's word. 
And, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, the only way for you to get God's word inside of you, the only way to get God's word in your mind and in your heart is for you to get in God's word. And so as we strive to become a lifelong follower of Jesus, we're going to have to become more comfortable with being different at times. With, with living outside of the norms and being able to risk this life of love. And, and this is where it gets confusing. Because Jesus' way is very countercultural to everything that's happening around us. And what we often do as, as, as followers of Jesus, we make this decision to follow him. And so we, we, we plant one foot in, in, in God's word and, 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 and we want to follow him. And then we try to keep this other foot planted firmly in the world, right? We, we're being conformed in some way to the pattern of this world. But what's happening is when we do that, those two worlds are getting further and further and further apart. And so it's pulling us in two separate, two different directions. Let me give you an example. So the world tells us that if we give our possessions away to those in need, we're going to have nothing left. You got to build it up. You got to keep it. You got to hold it for yourself. But Jesus actually teaches that whatever we do for the least of us, whatever we do for the least of these, then we've done that for Jesus. Jesus' message is countercultural. The world tells us that if we just like give our love freely away and we just love people, you're going to be taken advantage of. But Jesus says to love even our enemies and give them the clothes off our backs. And so I'm convinced that if you want to move toward a life that looks more like Jesus, there's going to be times that you're weird. You're, you're not living the normal way that other people live their life. And, and so as we approach this new year, 2020, I want to make an impact. I, I want our church to pastor a city. I don't want to just count my days. I want my days to count, don't you? And so I love what author Bob Goff says. He says, here's what we need to do. We got to get more comfortable doing this. Pray like nobody's listening. And give like nobody's watching. And love like nobody's counting. Like, just be generous with those things. I think what he's saying is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. I want to challenge you to live your life in such a way that you create a legacy. I like what one person said. The goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that will live forever. And so I, my definition of legacy that I want you to kind of grab hold of today is legacy is living my life for something that will outlive me. I want to give my life to something. I want to live my life in such a way. I want to invest my life in, into something that will outlive me. Now, I get to do a lot of cool things as, as your pastor. Like, I get to do weddings, and, and, and I get to do baptisms, and, and dedicate children, and I get to pray with you, and walk this journey, and give some advice. Let me tell you the two most important things that I will ever do for you as your pastor, okay? Here they are. Help you live on purpose while you're on this earth. That's an important thing that I want to help you do. But here's the second thing. I want to prepare you for eternity. I want to prepare you for eternity. 
And we spend so much of our time focused on earth and what's happening here and in the world around us. But the reality is eternity lasts so much longer than than what happens here on this earth. And I want us to be prepared for eternity as much as we're prepared for what's happening on earth. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, he says, so why do you condemn other people? We're horrible at condemning other people. Just pay attention to social media. We're the best at condemning other people. If you don't agree with us, man, we will condemn you, right? It's, even Christians are the worst at this sometimes. Paul says, why do you condemn even another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Why do you look down on others? Remember, we, we sang it just a few moments ago, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as long as I live, says the Lord. You sang it just a minute ago. Every knee will bend to me. Like every one of us, everybody. At one point, we're going to stand for God. Every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give. And here it is. We don't, we don't think about this very much. But I want us to zoom in on this today. Each of us will give a personal account to God. Like we are accountable for the life that we live here on this earth. Now let's talk about what that looks like. One day, we're going to stand before God and we will be accountable for our life on this earth. Now, I, I, we're going to look at some scripture, but even as we look at scripture, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to look, okay? I sure hope there's not a long test. Like, that's, that's kind of what I'm worried about. You know, we, 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 we get to heaven and, 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 and Jesus says, all right, anybody who wants to go into heaven, there's a pop quiz, right? And we, that's a bad day for anybody. How many of you are not good test takers, okay? I was not a good test taker. And any time that I was in class in school, I was always one of these people. Raise your hand if you ask this question a lot. Is this going to be on the test? Anybody else ask that question? Like if, if the teacher's talking, I want to know, is this going to be on the test? And the, if the answer is yes, then you have my full undivided attention. If the the answer is no. I have other things that I need to be doing with my time and my attention, right? And, and, and I hated tests. The worst test I ever took was the SAT. And, and my kids are, you know, teenagers. My son's a junior. My, my daughter's in college, so she's taking all those tests. And when she was preparing for the SAT, she asked me, she said, Dad, what did you make on the SAT? And I said, 880. And she said, on which part? said all of it <laughs> combined <laughs> and some of you are like oh you're the dumbest pastor in the town maybe I, I don't know it's so funny I, I got a full paid scholarship even with that <laughs> with that test score and I, I, I was a North Carolina teaching fellow my undergrad is elementary education and this was the scholarship back in the day that would pay like 100% of your college if you would just teach for a few years that's how bad we needed teachers they even recruited me and, and so, so I remember sitting in an auditorium and there were hundreds of people who had gotten this scholarship and they they stood up and, and the lady said, I just want to celebrate with you. You were the best and the brightest. Out of any year that we've ever given this scholarship away, you have the highest average SAT score that we've ever had. And I just started going, I'm sorry. 
I'm so sorry because I brought the average way down. Like, I am so sorry. Not a great test taker. I read about one student who took the SAT and she said this, I was so nervous I threw up on my test. <laughs> like, that's the way I feel. And like, if we're going to stand before God and have to take a test, like, that's, that's, a, that's a bad day. But I do think there is somewhat of a test. And it's a two-question test. And I'm actually going to tell you what's on the test today. I'm going to give you two questions that I believe that we're all going to be asking. We're going to be accountable for it. Here's the first one. What did you do with my son, Jesus? That's a question. And I believe that God is going to ask us that question. We're going to be accountable to the answer to that question. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And here's the thing, like all sin has to be paid for. And, 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 I, and some of you are here for the very first time today and pastor's talking about hell and you're like, oh, that's one of those churches. All right, I, all right so, so hell is not the place that God sends people he's mad at, okay? Here's what I believe. I believe hell is a place where sin is paid for. And the problem is a lot of people will go there to pay for their own sin and that's a sad reality because Jesus has already paid for your sin with his life. And so when Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he basically is saying, I don't want you to experience the penalty of your own sin. I'm taking the weight of your penalty upon me. I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And all he asks in return is that we give our life back to him. It's that simple. And so the question really is going to be asked of us, what did you do with my son Jesus? When you were given the opportunity to accept him as your savior, did you accept his sacrifice and, and dedicate your life to him or did you push him away? We are accountable to that, that choice and that decision. In Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 and 12 John saw this, this revelation, this vision, and that's what the book of Revelation is about. And, and, and chapter 20, verse 11 and 12 says, And I saw this great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in those books. And so basically what we're saying is, is the decisions and choices that we made, the sin in our life is recorded in, in these books, but then there's the book of life. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus and you become a lifelong follower of Jesus, you invite him into your heart. What happens is, is he takes away all of that sin and casts your sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again, and then writes your name in the book of life. And, and that's how we have the opportunity to experience heaven for all eternity. To accept his sacrifice and then rejoice around the throne of God for all eternity. Not because of anything that you've done. This is about grace. This is about receiving a gift from God. Look at what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 through 23. Jesus says, but here's the thing. Not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
So who is? Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name and we've cast out out demons in your name and we've performed many miracles in your name. But I'm going to reply, I never, what? I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Here's what he's saying, all right? That's kind of a confusing verse of scripture because you said, well, hey, these people are saying, hey, I, I called out to you, prophesied in your name and cast the demons out and all this stuff. What's, what's Jesus saying? What Jesus is saying, it's not enough to do the religious thing or just do the church thing. The question is, do you know him? It's not enough to just show up. It's not enough to just get your card punched. It's not enough to just kind of roll in here or watch online. Everything that we do is about helping you understand Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. So what did you do with my son Jesus? Do you know him personally? Because that is what determines whether or not we get into heaven. That's the first judgment. Now here's the other one, and this is kind of confusing. Some people don't understand this, but there's really two judgments. And that's the first judgment. Have we accepted Jesus or not? And if we've accepted him, we get to rejoice around the throne of God with all of eternity. So that's the first question. Here's the second question. What did you do with what I gave you? Okay, so since you're going to be asked this question, it's on the test, okay? I have a responsibility to help you make sure that you answer it well, okay? And here's what I want you to see. This is a different judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, here's what I want you to see, and I don't want you to be confused. This is not referring to whether or not you get into heaven or not. Because he's talking about the deeds that we do on earth. We are not going to get into heaven because of good deeds. That is about the grace of God, accepting Jesus as your Savior. What Jesus is referring to is the reward that you will get into heaven once you've accepted him as your savior. You can't earn heaven. That's that's grace. If you could earn heaven, it would be all about deeds. But this verse refers to the rewards that you receive once you're in heaven. Look at Matthew chapter 16 verse 27. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge people according to their deeds. And so some people would say, it doesn't really matter how you live your life because the grace of God will cover everything that happens in your life. That's an incorrect statement. The grace of God that you accept and receive, the relationship that you have with Jesus, inviting him into your life, that is all it takes for you to get into heaven. Inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Man, he's going to invite you in. He's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You can rejoice around the throne of God for all eternity. But here's where we have to understand that we have to live our life in such a way that matters because then there's a blessing in heaven based on the way that we live our life here. That's what this is saying. We're going to be judged according to our deeds once we're in heaven. 
So we're going to have an opportunity to be blessed for the things that we do on this earth. That's why you hear so much about we need to invest in things to store up our treasure in heaven, right? God's going to bless us for the things that we do. So here's the question that I want to help you answer this morning. How do I live my life in such a way that it matters here on earth, but it also matters in heaven? How do I create a legacy with my life, giving my life to something that will absolutely outlive me? But here's the problem, all right? Here's the issue. Everybody says they wanna make a difference, but the problem is nobody wants to do anything different. And so I want us, as we enter into 2020, I wanna help you live intentionally and not by default. Because when we do things by default, like we don't follow God's plan and, and, and obedience to God's word, just doesn't happen by default. We need to live intentionally for us to see those things happen in our life. So let me give you three things that we need to intentionally do today. Here's the first one. I will intentionally give what I have. Now why is that important? I think it's important because we aren't held accountable for what we don't have. God doesn't expect you to give anything that you do not have or possess. You are not accountable for what you don't have. But here's what you are accountable for. You are accountable for what you do have. And I'm not just talking about money, okay? So don't like just zone out because he's talking about money. I'm not just talking about money. How many of you have arms? Hold up your arms right here. How many of you have got arms? Then hug somebody, like, be accountable for what you have. You have time. So invest that time in somebody's life. You have talents. So invest your talents. Use them for God's glory. I love to, to pastor, but I also love to, to develop leaders, and I love to invest in other leaders. And one of the ways that I do that is we have a network of leaders not just in the United States, but in El Salvador. And so every month, I sit at my computer in, in the comfort of my, of my office, and I train pastors all across El Salvador, do a different city every month. And I've got a friend in El Salvador who goes to these different locations, and he sets up in a restaurant, and we use Zoom and the technology and the internet, and, 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 and he has an opportunity to love on them, and then they turn their attention to the screen, and here I am, a big old face on the screen. And, and I share with them. I share with them information. I share with them experience. I, I, sh I share with them love. Why? Because I'm accountable for what I have. And I, and I have an open door. I have time. I, 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 have, I have some experience God's given me. And if I, don't, if I don't invest those things in other people, I believe that I am accountable for, for, for not doing that. Every one of you have resources. I want you to think about what resources you have right now. Because we're all different parts of the journey and some of you are young and some of you are not. And, 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 and we all have a variety of gifts. And, and we all have different talents and we all have our treasure. So, so here's, here's, here's the question. Are you intentionally giving what you have? Are you being faithful to invest those things that God has blessed you with 
in an attempt to share with somebody the love of Jesus. Like, I'm convinced that your generosity, being generous with your time, being generous with your talent, being generous with your treasure, I really believe that the result of that generosity should be people knowing Jesus. And every resource that you have, okay? I just, I kind of see it, just kind of flip through some of the resources that you have. Things that God's gifted you with. With every resource that's flipping through your mind right now, here's what I want you to understand. You, you, you have a responsibility that comes with every resource. And you have to be responsible to intentionally give what it is that you have. And, and, and I, I would argue that there are times when you need to be a spontaneous giver. There are going to be people that, that cross your path and, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak and, and, and you need to be prepared to spontaneously invest whatever it is that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. But here's what I would also argue. Don't just be a spontaneous giver. But I think that you should plan to be a giver. I think that you as a family should sit down and talk about your plan of how you intend to be generous. Be intentional. I, I would encourage you to even go as far as be a percentage giver. Like just decide. We're, even with our finances, my family, we, we make a decision that the first 10%, we're, we're going to be percentage givers. The first 10%, we're just going to invest in the mission to build lifelong followers of Jesus. We plan, we are intentional, we want to be percentage givers. We want to invest our life in something that has eternal value. We want to invest our life in people. We want to invest our life in people having an opportunity to experience the love of Jesus that we've experienced. And here's the thing about it. If you've experienced the love of Jesus and it's been such a radical transformation for you, then why would you not plan and be intentional about investing your time, talents, and treasure in other people having that same experience? I'm not sure why it is that we would receive from Jesus and we would allow His Holy Spirit to do so much in our lives, yet we would not plan to be intentional to make sure we're investing our lives in other people so that they can have that same experience as well. So whatever you have, just give it away. Now, I, I would really ask this question, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do with my life? What is it that you've placed in my hands that you want us to be generous with? And I want you to really ask that question. In a few weeks, on January 26th, we're having our One Thing Prayer Revival. January 25th, Saturday night, and the 26th on Sunday. And it's going to be a big weekend. We're going to have a prayer, a, a, a month of prayer and fasting in January. And then we're going to end that month with this One Thing Prayer Revival. But we're going to receive a special offering on that day. And 100% of what you give, we're just going to give it away and we're going to bless people in this community. Why? Because we want to be intentional. And I want to give you plenty of time to think about that and really ask, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do? Because here's why it's important. 2 Corinthians 9 and 11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to thank God. 
They're going to see your generosity, that you were a conduit of God's grace, and they're going to worship Him. Here's the second thing. I will intentionally serve others. And we have the wonderful opportunity to invest our time in other people. There's no greater investment than that. And I really encourage you as you approach 2020, I really encourage you, join our team. If you're not serving in some capacity at North Park, I believe you're missing out on some incredible relationships and the opportunity to serve Jesus in that way. I really believe the most fulfilled people in the body of Christ are those who are serving on a regular basis, investing their life in something that will outlive them. I think it's important that you join a life group, that you would invest your life in a group of people, that you would walk this journey together. I believe that life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. And so I believe that you'll be enriched from it. But here's the thing. You have the opportunity to invest in life change for somebody else. So join a life group. And here's what I'd also encourage you to do. Volunteer to not just serve, but lead other people. See, not only are you going to be accountable for the resources that are in your hands, but some of you have talents and abilities that you're not using to build the kingdom of God. Some of you in this room are the, some of the greatest leaders that exist in our community. And you lead in other places, you lead in the corporate world, and you do such a good job of using that gift of leadership there. But I really believe the generosity of your leadership should help other people be pointed to Jesus. And so I would encourage you to use that gift of leadership in the body of Christ. And if you would say, Pastor, I'm not really sure even where to start in any of this. Just stop by Next Steps in the lobby. There will be somebody there who would love to talk to you about how you can use the gifts that God's placed in your hands. And here's the third thing. I will intentionally share Christ. You want to talk about a commitment that we can make in 2020 that would be life-giving for us to make a decision to intentionally share Christ? You know what I want you to have? I want you to have the incredible experience of coming into church, the thrill and the excitement. You want a dramatic moment? Here's the dramatic moment. Walk into church knowing that the person sitting beside you is an unchurched person that you've been praying for and that you had the courage to to actually invite them to come to church and they show up. And you sit in service with them. Man, that's excitement. The stakes are high because you so desperately want them to experience what you've experienced. And I want you to have that moment. And so I challenge you like never before. Share Christ. Share your story with other people. I love it when people come in to church on Sunday and they'll catch me in the hallway and they'll say something like this or they'll text me before I get that too. Hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for this coworker. I've been praying for this friend and they're actually coming today. Like I had the courage to invite them and, and, and they're coming today. And here's what they're saying to me. You better not screw this up. Like you better not mess this up. You better preach the best message you've ever preached. The songs better be on. The ba- you better not let me down. Like I I get it. I know that's what you're thinking. I know that's what you're thinking. Because I think the same thing. I invite people and they come and I, I watch and I'm like, please be friendly to them. Please love on them. Please give them a high five. Like we want this experience for people because we want them to experience the love of Jesus here. And here's what 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Luke 14 and 23 says, Go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. 
Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news. To who? Everybody. Everybody. When I write a message or pull things together and share things that are from my heart, there's always this one question that I'm asking. Why is this important? Why does any of this matter? Let me tell you why this matters. Here's what 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says. It's, it's what's called a pastoral epistle, right? So this is, this is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, to the leaders of the church. And this is what he writes. He says, teach them. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. But here's what you teach them. Paul says, here's what you teach them. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all what we need for our enjoyment. But then he says, tell them. One translation, if you're following on another translation, says command them. Like just, like it, just command them. Tell them to use their money to do good. We're accountable for the resources that we have. They're responsible for the resources that are in their hands. So tell them to use those things for good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And here's verse 19. By doing this, what are we doing? Storing up their treasure. Storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Here's what I want to end with this this morning. There is more to this life than this life. There is more to this life than what we spend the majority of our time doing. There is more to this life than what we allow our minds to be focused on. And I'm not saying don't enjoy life. There's a lot of great things about life that we need to enjoy. You know, my family, we're all about making some memories together. Let's make some memories together. Let's enjoy life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to do it up big, man. Work hard, play hard. But don't ever be so focused on this life that you forget that there's an eternity we need to invest in. And I want to live my life. I want you to live your life. I want us as a church to live in such a way that we create something that will long 